everything that is hating someone else or wishing ill of, of someone else or on someone else, uh, all of it, put it away. And the only way we get back to your original question, how do you do that? The only way is to replace it with the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm Travis Pauley, and here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. Each week I visit with Wes McAdams, minister and author, and together we explore biblical passages and topics. I hope you enjoy the study. All right, Wes, welcome back. Thanks. Good to be back. We're back. We got another question. Great. This is Hello Gentlemen. I have a question regarding forgiveness and reconciliation in our relationships with Christians. If a Christian either sins against me or causes me harm over a matter of opinion, then I forgive that person. Is reconciliation required? My reason for asking this question is both myself and my wife have incredibly strained relationships with our families. Some are Christians, some are not. Both myself and my wife want to forgive, but are not prepared to reconcile until their behavior changes. Is this a scriptural position to take? Is there a line that can be drawn between forgiveness and reconciliation, as I am suggesting, or can you not have one without the other? What does the Bible say God's expectations are for his followers uh, in situations like these? It's from Alexander. Okay, well, Alexander, first I, you know, empathize with your situation, and, you know, I I think there's a lot of people in those types of situations. In fact, a lot of the things I'm preaching right now at McDermott are about reconciliation and taking steps back towards one another, because I think we underestimate how many of us have broken relationships that um, are in disarray, and that... uh, we just don't know what to do with sometimes. Um, so let's 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 hone in on some of these words um, like forgiveness and reconciliation, um, because I think both are important. There is maybe a little bit of difference and a little bit of nuance that we can explore. Um, I recently wrote a blog post on forgiveness and and what that looks like and what that means. Um, I think that we mean different things when we say forgive. When someone says I've forgiven you, I wonder what do we what do we typically think we mean by that? Mm. Um, what, what do we mean when we say, I forgive you? Um, there's, there's two, there's at least three Greek words. Um, two of them have to do with, they're very similar words, and they both have to do with releasing debt. Um, so a good text would be Matthew 18, um, 21 through about 35. Let me pull that up real quick. Um, opened a different app on my iPad. So it's taking a second. Uh, okay, so Matthew 18, this is Jesus' uh, parable of the unforgiving servant. Uh, so he's talking about a servant um, who's forgiven and then who turns around and doesn't forgive his fellow servant who owes him far less money than he owed his master that was forgiven. Uh, again, it's from Matthew chapter 18. And Jesus says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, and, and which is an astronomical amount, right. amount of money that could never, ever be paid back in a lifetime. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. So that that's what's fair, right? So that's that's the, the fair route that... that 
could be followed. Uh, that's justice uh, for them to be sold as slaves, indentured servitude, um, and, and for the payment to be repaid. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. So those two words released, that are translated released him and forgave him the debt. Both of those words are used um, throughout the New Testament to talk about forgiveness. Um, and, and they both carry the idea of releasing someone from debt. So the idea is that most of the time when you forgive someone, there or you potentially could forgive somebody there's a debt that is owed mm-hmm. and and a lot of times it's very literal like very literal like you broke something of mine mm-hmm. and literally there's a debt there's a balance if you come to my house and you bump a lamp and it falls over and it breaks there is at some houses, there would be a big balance. At look, my house, it would be like a $5 balance because I, I don't I, have an expensive Look, lens. I said I was sorry. Yeah, that's true. And I here I am bringing it up on I the know. podcast. Yeah, uh, like <laughs> I haven't even forgiven you. Uh, Travis has never broken a lamp at my house, Not just once. for the record. Um, and if he did, I probably wouldn't even notice it because I have two boys that have broken everything already. So, um, so, but but again, back to the scenario. So if yeah. if you if you broke a lamp of mine, then there's a a ten dollar balance, and I can either insist that you pay it and say you're going to pay this ten dollars, which is fair. That's right. just, um, and and you would legitimately say, well, I I, I don't mind. I broke it, so here's the ten dollars. Yeah. You know, and and I would allow you to do that. So that's good. But if it's something that legitimately you can't afford, like you're you're broke. You don't have $10 to pay me back. Or it was a $1,000 lamp and you don't have $1,000. And to insist that you give me $1,000 would put you in a very bad situation. I could forgive you, which means I erase it from the debt, from the, the balance sheet. But it also means that someone has to absorb that. Anytime forgiveness takes place, someone sure. has to absorb the cost. And that falls on the forgiver. And in this case, the master has absorbed the cost of the debt. And so he says, I will take it on myself because I can afford it and you can't. And so I will absorb this, the cost of this debt rather than insisting that you pay it. And that's what forgiveness is. And sometimes that's true. That's a very literal way of taking forgiveness, like financially right. owing someone and then erasing that debt. But there are also times where it's more of an emotional thing. Mm-hmm. You broke my heart. You broke my, my feelings. Um, and I decide I'm going to absorb that cost and I'm going to erase it from the balance sheet and take that away. Um, now, th- there's there's a million times in life where that that's true, where we say you can't fix what's been broken. You can't afford to fix what's broken or it can't be fixed. Some things are irrepra- irreplaceable mm-hmm. um, and it, it just can't be replaced. It can't be fixed. And so I can... I can continue to hold that over your head forever and say, until you pay me back for something that can't be paid back, we'll never, I'll never erase it from the balance sheet. You always owe me. Or I can say, you don't owe me anymore. It's erased. I'm, I'm, done, I'm done forcing you to repay me for that. Um, now, typically, typically in, um, in Scripture, um, I want to make sure that I'm saying this right, um, that this idea about um, erasing somebody, re- releasing people from the obligation to make restitution, mm-hmm. you don't have to restore what's been broken. I'm going to absorb that. I will take care of it. You don't have to. 
typically this is contingent upon whether or not that person is sorry, whether or not that person has asked for forgiveness. Right. Um, if someone doesn't ask for forgiveness, then and 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 show remorse over what's been done, typically there's not a requirement to release them from the debt. And and I mean, and that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, because in a very literal sense, you would just have to go around saying, oh, you don't owe me, you don't owe me, you don't owe me. You know, if somebody backs into your car and smashes it, you know, you're not obligated by Jesus to say, oh, sorry, I'm a Christian, so that means I can't make you pay me back for right. what you just broke, you know? Right. And so, but if somebody backs into your car and they say, and they legitimately cannot afford to repay you, and you legitimately can afford to just absorb it and take care of it yourself, instead of selling them into debtor's prison, your obligation as a follower of Jesus, as someone who has been released from the debt you owe God, because that's the point of the parable, that here this guy is released from all of his debt, and then he goes out and he finds his fellow servant who owes him just a few bucks and who's begging him, please, please, please have mercy on me, I'll repay you. And he says, nope, I'm not. I'm not going to have mercy on you. I'm, you're going to pay me everything you owe me. And the master's like, after everything I did for you, and then and then all bets are off. You know, then the guy's like back back in prison, and you're not getting out until you pay me everything you owe me. Right. So, the idea is, if if God shows mercy to you and erases your debts, then your obligation to the world is that when they can't repay you, instead of forcing them to pay what they can't afford to pay, instead instead of being merciless with your neighbor, you must be merciful to your neighbor. Um, but again. If, if it's somebody that's just taking advantage and somebody that's, you know, or somebody that can legitimately, oh, yeah, yeah, I owe you 10 bucks, here's your 10 bucks. Right. You're not under obligation to just go around and erase everybody's debts emotionally or, or quite literally, metaphorically or, or literally. Um, you, you, you're only obligated to do that under these types of situations when somebody says, I wronged you, I broke this, and I can't repay you, and I can't fix it, and I can't make restitution, right. I'm sorry, and you say, you know what, God's, God's released me of my debt, and so I'm going to release you of your debt as well. There's another word, too, um, that, uh, that is used. Um, it is uh, karizomai, um, and, and sometimes this is translated as forgiveness. In fact, it's really interesting the way that our English word, the root of forgive, is give, right? And so charizomai carries that idea of it's, it's giving favor to somebody. It focuses on the generosity uh, behind the release of their debt. So not only are you releasing somebody of the debt, but you're by absorbing that cost, you're actually giving them something. So while the first two words focus on the release, and like, you don't owe me anymore, the, this word, charizomai, and the, the root of that is, uh, is charis, where we get the word grace or charity. Yeah. So it's about showing charity and giving them the gift of being released. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's another part of, of this is... Um, is blessing somebody in spite of what they've done, blessing them with freedom from the debt, with favor, and with friendship. It's about sharing with others. This is the way I wrote it in my blog post. It's about sharing with others the gift that God has shared with us. It's Mm -hmm. about grace. It's about showing people um, the kind of grace that God has shown to us. And again, a lot of these things tend to tend to imply or assume that the other person has 
repented of something that they've legitimately done wrong and that they've owned that uh, because it's very hard to release somebody from a debt that they continue to rack up, right? So, I mean, if somebody continues to rack up debt and continues to back over your car and just over and over again, unrelentingly, you, you just can't go around being like, okay, well, you don't know me, you don't know me, you don't know me, you don't know me. That's not the idea. The idea is if somebody has done something wrong and they're sorry and they ask you to forgive you, then because of what God has done for you, you say, I release you, I forgive you, I give you the gift of of freedom. Pardon this very brief interruption, but I want to tell you about the Bible study software that I use, Logos Bible Software. If you want to take your Bible study to the next level, Logos is a great way to do that. They've partnered with us to give our listeners a special deal. Check it out at radicallychristian.com slash logos. That's radicallychristian.com slash L-O-G-O-S. Now, back to the Bible study. One of the things I've noticed a lot in times in my life where I felt um, compelled to forgive that that's necessary in a, in a relationship, whether it's financial or not, mm-hmm. um, is that self-righteousness can play a big role, especially when I'm thinking about it in those terms of like, you know, there's something between us and, I, and it's on me to, oh, I got to be the bigger person mm-hmm. and forgive them. Um, even in times where, like you said before, they may not even be wanting that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's just broken enough that they're not asking for it, and and then I go, I'm not giving it. You know, yeah. and, and then there's yeah. there's there's that kind of thing. Because I think with financial, well, there's a record, there's a number amount mm-hmm. uh, that's trackable. Mm-hmm. But with the emotional heartbreak that we you know that we endure and uh, perpetrate on other people, that can sometimes be a little bit more intangible. Yeah, uh, can be easier or harder to ignore depending yeah. on who you are and what the situation is. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing that's always sort of snapped me out of that and hopefully taken self-righteousness right out of the equation is when I think about paying it forward. When, yeah. I, when I can I can look at a situation that, yeah, I am hurt and I am, you know, and this person is indebted to me and that makes me angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even depending on the time that's passed, it's, that it makes me resentful. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that I can't see myself forgiving them or forgiving the debt. It's that, what, what about after that? What about after? I, okay. So you forgive. What does that even mean? Mm-hmm. It, because I think forgiveness and correct me if I'm wrong. I think forgiveness is, is it's started by one action and then it's something that has to continue. Mm-hmm. It's something that has to continue to cover us. I think mm-hmm. that we see that in the forgiveness that Jesus offers us. Yeah, He forgives us yeah. when we come to him, but I, I don't just need that forgiveness when I came to him. Mm-hmm. I've actually needed a lot more since. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that needs to go a long time. And I think about, you know, again, the only thing that's kind of snapped me out of being self-righteous and, and just letting resentment take over in the aftermath of of trying to reconcile and forgive yeah. is is thinking about man i've had people forgive debts yes man i've had people for you know emotionally and otherwise mm-hmm. and that doesn't make me again it it doesn't serve to make me go well I, so i guess i should do it for somebody else it's yeah. more like oh i know exactly how they're feeling yes. right now yeah 
whether yeah. they're saying it or not. Yes. I can only imagine how they're feeling. Yeah. People are pretty aware, I think, of mm-hmm. of, of wrongs committed, mm-hmm. and whether they'll admit it to you or not. It's like that that that's going to hurt them, and it's probably eating them up. And, yeah. And I don't I don't want to do the same thing to them that um, that yeah. I've been through. You know? Absolutely, and I and I think you you hit on something incredibly important that the basis of the forgiveness that we extend to other people, whether that the emphasis is on us giving them the gift of forgiveness or on the the emphasis on releasing them from the debt that they owe us either way the the basis for that has to be the forgiveness that we've experienced in Jesus yeah. not on well I'm a good person you know right. and, and I or on I want to earn God's forgiveness no because of what he's done for me I am obligated mm-hmm. to give you this gift because that's how how much his grace has overflowed to me now yeah. it has to be paid forward to you that's how it works um and so so yeah so there's that and and i think there's also has to be said you you mentioned the word bitterness mm. or resentment uh, it's so important that we release resentment that we do not harbor resentment for people and that's how do you true do that? and well and and that's a great that's a great question and that's something we have to work through but um that i have to say that's usually what we mean by forgiveness. Yeah. And and we often talk about how we're obligated to forgive people whether or not they repent. That's true if by forgive you mean don't harbor resentment. Right. Now you we are all obligated not to resent others regardless of what they do or don't do. So to harbor resentment is to hate them in our heart. Mm-hmm. It is to it is to loathe them. It is to wish ill upon them. It's to say, oh, I hope they get what's coming to them. I can't stand them. That that is an active doing something, right? It's a, mm-hmm. it is. It's not just saying, look, they owe me a hundred dollars. You know, that's just a fact. Sure. But even if they owe you a hundred dollars and they have no intention of repaying and they're not sorry they did whatever they did, you know, you still are obligated to let go of the resentment and say, I don't hate you, I love you. If Jesus expects us to love our enemies, that means he expects us to do good for our enemies, to cook them dinner, to give them something to drink, to not hate them, to not wish ill on them, to to wish well for them. You can, you can continue to keep somebody's record on the book because for their own good, they need to be held accountable for what they've done, mm-hmm. and they're not sorry, and they can repay it, and it's okay not to release them from that debt because of the situation, but it's not okay for you to resent them. It's mm-hmm. not okay for you to hate them. It's not okay for you to wish evil on them. Um, you know, I think about so many things uh, that the New Testament has to say uh, on this issue. Of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, Paul says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. I mean, he covers all the bases there. Yeah. Everything that is hating someone else or wishing ill of, of someone else or on someone else, uh, all of it, put it away. And the only way we get back to your original question, how do you do that? The only way is to replace it with the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. If our heart is so full of what God has done for us in Jesus, there's no place left in our heart for hatred for other people, regardless of what they've done to us. So so while there is a place for holding people accountable, there yeah. is a place for saying, no, 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 I'm going to hold you to this until you've learned your lesson, until you're sorry. Um and again, we can, we can, that can kind of get fuzzy sometimes too. Um, but, 
but it, it's it's like parenting, right? Yeah. I mean, when when my kids do something wrong, there's a time where I let it go and I say, forget about it. It's okay. I'll absorb the debt. And there's other times where I say, nope, you're gonna pay for this one. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna own this one. But it's not okay for me to hate my kid. It's not okay for me right. to hold on to anger for my kid. That's not okay. And the same is true with all of our relationships. Well, and and that makes. When you talk about parenting in that sense, that makes perfect sense. You're sure. the authority figure. Right, right. You're responsible for teaching lessons and sure. and what, yeah. whatnot. Yeah. I don't feel responsible teaching lessons to someone that I consider that I don't I don't feel I have authority your over. Your sibling, your, your sibling, neighbor. Sibling, friend, yeah, yeah, yeah neighbor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, and that's a legitimate point. I, but I, I still think that there is a place in the church for accountability. Yeah. You know, so the way Jesus would talk about it was, you know, if somebody sinned against you, go and talk to them you know, and, and tell them what they've done. And if they listen to you, great, you've gained your brother. Right. And if they don't, take somebody else with you. And if they don't listen to them, then you, at some point you've got to tell the church. And as the church family, you've got to hold them accountable. So there is a place for accountability and responsibility and sort of disciplining people. You're mm-hmm. right in that that probably shouldn't ever be a one-on-one thing, like, hey, I'm going to hold you responsible. That's got to be worked yeah. out in the community of the church, because we can be very unfair judges, and we're biased. You know, for yeah. that matter, we're biased because, you know, you hurt me. Right. It's one thing when somebody on the outside says, no, actually, this is kind of a two-way street, and you both need to own your part, but if it's me being the judge of my own case, well, I'm always I'm always innocent. It's funny how I never mess up, you know? Yeah, yeah. But when somebody else, an unbiased third party says, no, 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 wait, you know, you both own some of this and you need to take responsibility for it. I think there's a place for all of those things in the church. And there is a place for, you know, continuing to hold somebody accountable for something that they've done until they own it. But there is no place for resentment. There is no place for anger. Now, does that mean that everything goes back to the way that it was before? Not necessarily. I mean, trust is something that isn't necessarily given in any relationship. When I meet somebody on the street, I don't, you know, somebody asked one time, do you automatically trust people um, or do you automatically distrust people? Um, and, And somebody said in response to that, well, I'm agnostic. When I meet somebody, I'm agnostic. I don't know whether or not I should trust them. Um, and, and sometimes that's true in a relationship too, that you, it's not that you distrust somebody that you've forgiven and it's not that you automatically trust them or that when you forgive them, you automatically go back to fully trusting them. You go back to saying, okay, we're, we're going to start over. I've forgiven you for that. I've taken that off the record. I don't hate you. I'm not mad at you. I want to have a relationship with you, but trust sometimes has to be earned, you know, not that it has to be earned back. Like, Hey, you have to prove to me that you aren't the guy you used to be, but it's just that I don't know whether I can trust you. Show me that I can trust you. And it doesn't necessarily prove you haven't forgiven someone if you don't know yet whether or not you can trust them. That just means that you're starting back at score zero in some regards. I think a lot of the reason we, you know, we trust people to begin with is because we have what well, we have experience with them. We have memories of times yeah, where they've sure. come through right. and that we came through for them. And so yes. that trust is built. So yes. now you just have to make new memories, right. but you probably have to be way more intentional about it than you were when you had more of an organic relationship. Yes, absolutely. They've made, when you trust somebody, it's because they've made deposits into the trust bank, Yeah, you know, and somebody that has done you wrong has has been overdrawn in the trust bank. Right. Um, and if you've forgiven them, you've sort of come back to zero, but they haven't 
they haven't made any new deposits. So sure. the, the level of trust hasn't been um, built back up. And so it, it has to be uh, increased to, to some level. There's another phrase or idea that I want to cover before we close, and it's overlooking wrong. In Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 11, it says, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. There is a place for just overlooking things. Mm. And that, I think, is where it requires the most discernment. It's one thing for me to say, you legitimately hurt me, and you took something from me that needs to be paid back. And then for us to go from there and talk about how is that going to be paid back? Am I going to absorb that, or are you going to pay that back? Am I going to forgive you, or is that going to be you know, um, something that I hold you responsible for? That, that's a, that's a, a question that sometimes is legitimate. But there's also a time, and I would say most of the time, a million times a day, where we have to just overlook offenses. You cannot write everything down and say, I'm going to hold you responsible for that, or even I'm going to forgive you for that. How, how audacious <laughs> is yeah. a person who says, I forgive you. You got in my way, but I forgive you. It's like, who do you think you are? Get off your high horse yeah. and just ignore it ignore it. Yes, they offended you. Yes, they hurt your feelings. Yes, they shouldn't have done that. Overlook it. It is to your glory to be able to overlook offenses. But if you're going to write everything down and say, okay, well, here, this is on the balance sheet, and I'm going to make a big deal about crossing it off, there is a time for that. There's a time for to say, you hurt me in a way that can't be just ignored, and it needs to be fixed, and we're going to fix it by me forgiving you. And I, I forgive you, and I release you from that debt. Yep, there's a time for that. Yeah. But there's also a time to just ignore it. Don't bring it up. Don't write it down. Don't make a record of it. Just overlook it. And sometimes I, I don't think that we realize that's an option. <laughs> you don't have to hold them accountable for it. You don't have to teach them a lesson. You don't have to drag them into court. You don't have to bring a witness and, and talk it over. You don't have to talk about trust or forgiveness. Just overlook the offense. And so sometimes sometimes there's a debt that needs to be forgiven. Sometimes there is an offense that needs to just be overlooked. But in all of the situations, there cannot be resentment. There cannot be hatred. There cannot be bitterness. All of that, all of that. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, our heart has to be so full of his love and what he's done for us that we do not harbor resentment or bitterness against anyone, regardless of what they've done. I really hope you enjoyed this Bible study, and I hope you'll subscribe to hear future episodes of the podcast. A big thank you to Travis Pauly, as well as our McDermott Road Church family, for helping to make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to all of you for listening. We love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.